You are now listening to the Dream Loud Podcast. Join us as we explore the significance of following your dreams. We hope you'll enjoy the ride. For those of you that didn't listen last week, we have been interviewing Marty Lunn, who is the bass player from the band Zayo. So here is part two of our conversation with him. Now, shout out to the Urban Achiever podcast because yeah. you guys touched on this in that episode mm-hmm. that you did with Billy. Uh, as far as like, or actually, I'm sorry. It wasn't that podcast. Both it was them. the, yeah, uh, both of them touched on um, that. Urban Achiever and... As the story uh, goes. As the story, you, as the story grows. <laughs> as the story grows. I'm yes. sorry. Thank so you. So big shout out yes. to yeah. As the Story Grows. And Billy's Power Podcast. Yes. Yeah. Thank you guys. Because we pulled a lot from those two podcasts that you did with them for in preparation of this one. Right on. Uh, But one thing that they that um, your friend talked about in as the story grows is you know Zayo's kind of fluctuation as far as faith goes, Mm -hmm. and you talked about that in context of the band. Maybe that's focus on you a little bit more. Like what what faith. Or what has your faith played as far as like in your music and your writing and in in okay. like um, just being in Zayo and and how does it how does it manifest itself I guess well I guess what you do I guess just uh, you need like like two minutes of backstory yeah before sure. I before I answer that just so you understand where you know how we, we got, got time. how we got from point A to point B. The backstory with that is it goes back to what I said earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my dream was to be a musician and thereby have ladies actually talk to me. Yeah. That was that was that was where we want to be. Um, so what happened? Yeah, exactly. That's See, success. You know, we right? have one success. girl right here. It <laughs> happened one time and it's happening right now with You're Dan's wife. Your dream. Amanda. <laughs> yep. Um, living out my dream right living now. Living out your dream on the Dream yeah. Lab podcast. On the Dream Lab podcast. Um, well, basically, what happened was not so much with with me playing, um, but more specifically when I got into uh, tour management and yeah. started going out with Juliana Theory and, and like big bands and and was you know for the first time kind of experiencing like what big tours are all about and tour buses and that whole that whole world and that lifestyle um it was a very eye-opening experience for me and i had just graduated from bible college and what had happened was when i showed up as a freshman i was the most zealous like crazy christian that there ever was i mean it was just like you just become air quotes saved is that no, that had would, that had been years before. Oh, years before, okay. But it was to the point where I, I was probably at my most zealous. Okay. When I showed up at Bible college, it was like, yeah, here I am. I'm, you know, let's do this. Yeah. And save the world. And sure. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, you went to Bible college. I did so go to sure. Bible college. I mean, that did go to Bible college. Um, <laughs> what what unfortunately happened while I was at Bible college is I started Uh-oh. to see a lot of things that were the kind of the seedy underbelly of of the church and things that like. Things that didn't really add up for me, yeah, and it kind of pushed me in a in a different direction. I, and I won't say that I was not a Christian when I graduated from that school, but I was not nearly the zealot that I was when I got there. Yeah, you know, it, it had become faith had become much more personal to me than it was an outgoing evangelistic life. Yeah. 
like in the four years that I was there, that had kind of gone yeah. down. Okay, that makes sense. So what happened upon graduation is when I started doing tour management, like I said, like big, huge tours and all this kind of stuff, is for, for those who have ever experienced that world, it's not exactly the safest place for somebody that wants to be a good, you know, wholesome Christian person. Sure. Um, because there are many things, and I... I mean, you're... I you're, won't ever go into specifics, because that's not... You're essentially, I mean, just for the audience, if you don't know what a tour manager is, to summarize it in a simple way, it's being a babysitter for the band. Like, yeah, you're working out the details. More of like or less. Where the, what, what it means is there's a giant tour, and there's a bunch of people on payroll, and there's a band, and there's usually a jerk lead singer. Just kidding, <laughs> Brett. Love you. Um, there's, but there's usually like this, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's an entourage. It's this giant, you know, mass of moving people that have to be in one place at a certain time, and they have to, you know, have this, and right. they have to have these plane tickets, and they have to show up in this country on this day. And essentially, the tour manager is the guy that's in charge of all that. How'd you get and into it's so, it? It's so necessary because we're out on the road with artists and they're they're terribly I mean they're so bad at like sticking mm, sure. to a schedule. So sure. you need somebody that could keep them to that. Yeah. Sure. And what what ended up happening was because the Juliana theory didn't didn't do a lot of support tours. Like there were some, but most of them were were headlining tours. So what that mm. meant was there were smaller bands that were on the same bill that were touring as well. So it'd be like four or five bands total. And most of those weren't big enough bands to bring their own tour management with them, you yeah. know, or have their own so it essentially meant that those people got added under the care of the tour yeah. manager as well. So it was yeah. just like it was a a lot of stuff. But what I was getting at with that is that it's not exactly the greatest environment for someone that wants to remain pure and wholesome and that yeah. kind of thing. Because for the first time ever, you know, not only were women talking to us, but women were throwing themselves, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it, it was just a whole different, it was a world that just didn't exist until, right. until it existed. Yeah. And, you know, obviously it wasn't anything like Molly Crew or anything like that, but it was to the point where by the time all of that touring was done, I was probably unrecognizable to the guy who had showed up at Bible College um, in a nutshell, yeah. you know, to the point where I, I still believed in God, but at, at no point in my daily life was I what I would call now a Christian. Um, so, and that, that sucks, but yeah. that's, that's the reality. Yeah. And, um, I, I would say that that probably was my existence, uh, up until my dad passed away. So that is kind of the, the catalyst, I guess, for mm. what actually pulled me back into the fold. Um, and I, you know, it's one of those things. It's, it's awful that, you know, I, I don't have my dad to, you know, to be around. Yeah. But it's also something that I'm grateful for the fact that there was an event, regardless of the event, that actually brought me back from where I was. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to say that since that moment that I've been, you know, a choir boy um, any, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I would say that, you know, if, if asked, you know, my faith from that point on has been fairly consistent. Yeah. Um, you know, my actions don't always back that up, but my faith, I would say, has been pretty consistent since then. Yeah. So that's that would be the backstory for 
where you were going, and now you should ask your question again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm grateful that you gave the whole backstory. Um, question, I think, is kind of, it's pretty simple. I, I'm just curious, like, what role oh. faith plays mm-hmm. for you as an individual going mm-hmm. out there on the road? And I'll, I'll give that with the caveat of saying, I, I think to me, it's kind of, it's, it's been annoying as somebody that's grown up in the church. It's been annoying to kind of see like all the labels and, and sequestering all these different Christian genres off from other genres. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was something that like tooth and nail and like the heavy bands of back then were kind of breaking, mm-hmm. they're breaking the mold as far as like, sure. you're allowed to play this kind of music and still be Christian and still sing about there, it and there not w- curse. There was a time, and I, I don't know if, I don't know if that exists now because I'm not familiar enough with what's out there right now to be able to speak on this. But there was a time, and I will stand by this opinion, there was a time when the Christian music scene had better bands in it. Oh, absolutely than, agree with this. Than what was out there in in the world. Absolutely agree. And with this. I don't know how long that span of time is. Opinions would vary on that. Yeah. And opinions is also very vary which bands would be in that category. Yeah. But there was a time when what we had as yeah believers listening to faith based music that it was better than what was going on out there. Yeah. And you know what what bothered me a lot towards towards the end of of. I'm not just going to say to the nail, but towards the end of like that era, mm-hmm. like that that 90s 2000s era, is what what it came to be is that you would have a band come out and they would be the Christian version of something that was yeah. out there in the world. Yeah, like you'd have this band like, hey, we're the we're the Christian Green Day, or we're the Christian this band, or we're the Christian this band, and that's not. That's not how it's set up. Yeah. You know, how it's set up is the Christian bands set it, and then the world takes it. Yeah. And that's even from, if you go back to classical music, you know, I mean, Handel's Messiah, you know what I mean? How many classical composers heard that and were like, crap, I'm really far behind. Like, right. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it's, it, that's, that's how I feel that it is supposed to be. And the other, the other I thing agree. that I learned, mm-hmm. and this was a very important lesson, this took me most of my life to learn. Um, there's a term that just is like nails on a chalkboard for me. And the term is secular music. That term is nails on a chalkboard for me. It drives me insane. Because what I had to learn was there's no such thing. Right. Sure. Because when you say secular, you're you're coming from a Christian perspective saying this is not holy music. What you're saying is that the world invented something. Mm. And that doesn't happen. If you're a believer, you know that everything, every good thing comes from God. You yeah. know that. Right. We know that. We mm. believe that. Yes. Music is one of those things. Sure. Yeah. And... It's all in what people do with that music mm. that we have determined and put it into these different categories. But what I would say is there are certain songs by what you would call secular artists that I listen to, and I get more out of them than some things that are out there that are called Christian music. Sure. Uh, yeah. It, it's just a fact. Yeah. You know, um, there, there are people that you can listen to that there might be a particular song and you know this person doesn't believe in god at all but they are writing lyrics from their heart and they and 
they may be in exactly the same place that you are and that song speaks to you like crazy guess what it stops to be secular music at that point and it becomes something that you can actually listen to and take into yourself yeah you know it's yeah. something that you're you're all about yeah so um i love the realism of that approach to writing music too and and i don't think i got it whenever whenever i was growing up because i was so indoctrinated is a str- is a strong word but i'll use it right now i just don't mean it that strongly but mm-hmm. i was so indoctrinated by like being in the church for so long and you get set up in these like these boxes of rules that you have to follow like sure. i can't say these things i can't do these things like i have to be a good person yeah. and you can't necessarily explore maybe those darker thoughts that you have sure and uh, in in particular a band like corn mm-hmm. like people would look at them especially their earlier albums right. and oh my gosh jonathan davis is saying about some really demented things sure and I think I'm, I'm, if I had not met them, those guys in that band, I had the privilege of meeting them mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Had I not met them, I may have still held on to a little bit of that. But sure. you meet them now in their age, and, and Jonathan Davis was one of the most meekest, kindest, most welcoming people I've ever met. Sure. And it was kind of that moment that made me realize he was singing about maybe a time period that he had or a specific yep. thought yep. and it doesn't represent his entirety of what he's sure. thinking yep. but but he had the freedom or or he had the courage and the freedom to sing about what he was feeling in the moment and put that out in the song so that other people could relate to it yeah it doesn't define his whole being right and there's something very fresh and free about that so i we've kind of We've talked around my question a lot, but well, it's okay. It, it's yeah. because it it what you mentioned is actually something that I I could actually speak to what you just said. Yeah. Um, because that's something else that I feel strongly about. Having been privileged enough to be in the types of bands and be around the bands that I was was in, I've gotten to know quite a few musicians that yeah. were you know maybe they were b- big bands or people in big bands and stuff like that. And what I have realized is that I am much more interested in listening to music from people that I know people that I've met mm. because in meeting them you know where they're really coming from whether yeah, whether that's, that's true. whether that's a good place or a bad place when you meet someone and you know you get a feel for where their heart's at that's huge it you is know? yeah it, it, and then when you listen to songs that they've written it just you just even if you don't know exactly what that song is about, if you've got to meet the person and know their where they're coming from, wow, does it mean a lot more? Yeah, know? yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's sorry. No, that's I'm, great. I'm, Maybe we can. I'm derailing this a hundred no, no, different ways. I love it though. Let's transition into because I eventually wanted to talk about not only Zayo but your side project band, mm-hmm. Young Foxes. So in young, a song, Young Fox. Young Fox. Only one fox. <laughs> There could be more in the future. There could be more foxes. <laughs> but, but right now um, it's just a singular fox. Yes. It's a, I get, it doesn't mean this, but I've always spun it to where it's it's like a, an opposites thing because I am neither young nor a fox. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it, it makes sense. Yeah. But um, I haven't, oh, like, actually, I, I'm not real crazy about the name of that band, but it was one of those situations where the four of us tried to come up with a name 
And those of you who have tried to start bands or have That's started so bands, you know what this is all about. I mean, you know the band naming part is the worst part, it, for yeah. sure. Um, but then and, you remember there's a band called Limp Biscuit, and well, no, anything no, no. is better than that. I, I'm not sure if I mentioned this on one of the other podcasts, <laughs> but when it comes to band naming, there was a band that sat down, and the best name they came up with, the five of them, was Hoobastank. <laughs> that is true. That yeah. actually happened. It happened in real and I life. I love that band. They said, Their first Ho- is Hoobastank good. wins. Yeah. Like, I don't even know, what would the other names have been that Hoobastank wins? I don't know. I totally forgot about but, them. I'm glad you brought them oh, up. That's oh, great. Um, but anyway, it was one of those things where it was the only one where the four of us were somewhat marginally okay with it. So that's the one we went with. So, yeah. Yeah, you Young just get Fox. Yeah. I very much like the direction of where that band was going. Um, Mm -hmm. From a songwriting standpoint, I think that's some of the better stuff that I had come up with. Um, How much much role do you play in that as far as the songwriting goes? Well, for that band, uh, for that band, a a lot of it. Um, Because when we started the band, like, I I had had some bad experiences with with bands in the past where um, it, it... it's not an it's not an ego thing. Maybe it is to some certain extent, but um, it got to the point where when, when recordings would happen, like I would have a certain vision for what I wanted the songs to sound like and where I wanted it to go, and if it didn't turn out like that, I was bummed. You know, I was disappointed. Like even if it turned into like something great, I was disappointed in what it sounded. You know what like. I can relate this to? Like getting a haircut as I was growing up. Like every time I went in there to get go. a haircut, it never was what I envisioned. It never was what you wanted, you know? Yeah. And so basically when, when Young Fox, when I put, I, I grabbed, uh, it was actually, there was three of us at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, when I grabbed the other two guys, one of their bands had just ended that they were in. And I thought they were both great musicians. Um, and so I pulled them in, but I, I basically made the caveat at the beginning. I said, here's the deal. We want to do this band. It's writing and everything like that is is open to all of us. But when it comes time for us to record, I, I will produce the band. Like I will be the the band's producer. And everybody so you're was making totally the cool. soundscape decisions. Exactly, and yeah. we we signed off on it, and we we went to town, you know, coming up with stuff. So, yeah. um, you know, when it came time to record, and um, we did a, a five song EP, and then we did a ten song full length. Uh, both on Spartan Records, um, and it there, there's I, I'm not. They sound great, by the way. 100 percent happy with everything. Yeah, but it's probably the thing that I am happiest with that I have been a part of, as far as just like it's it's what I what I wanted it to sound like. Yeah. So, um, and the only unfortunate part about that is that those of you who are in the Pittsburgh area will very much know of a food truck called Blue Sparrow. Um, and if you don't know of it, you really need to check it out because it's the best food truck in the city. Mm. Uh, but it's also the reason why Young Fox is on a kind of an indefinite hiatus because the singer Luke is the guy who owns and runs the food truck. Um, wow. So, yeah, anybody that's in the food service industry that knows about food trucks knows that that is your life, and you yeah. don't have a life outside of the food I mean, truck. This, that's, the, that's the food industry, though. It is, it is, but yeah. even more so when it's your thing and it's a mobile thing. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and he actually made it worse on himself. He's putting the finishing touches on a 1957 Greyhound bus. Wow. 
That's a big food truck. He's making a food bus. Wow. Um, so Is yeah. he going on tour? Well, I guess, <laughs> yeah. It's the Blue Sparrow on tour. Um, it like a mobile restaurant? Cause that pretty much, be yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, that's... that's. I, he, hey, best of luck to him. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, but that's... Young Fox. By the um, way, I really enjoyed his vocals on the album. Thank you, thank they you. Were we really actually, great. if you notice, there were two distinct vocalists throughout the record. Um, Luke sings the main melody, mm. and then the harmonist on it is Tyler Kieran, um, who, again, those in Pittsburgh would remember the bands Cali AC and Red Hands. Uh, Tyler was the singer of okay. both of those bands. Uh, good friend of ours, and he actually was involved in some of the lyric writing on the on the record and things like that. So he was a he was a part of it as well. Um, and then one song actually we had uh, old friend of mine that I hadn't seen or heard from in a while, uh, Stephen Christian from Anne Berlin actually uh, sings on one of the tunes. Are you kidding me? So, I did not notice that. Yeah, I saw. I, had I think the on the full length it's track three. Okay. Um, I will check it out because I had the privilege. Uh, our friend yeah. Lee Scop, he drugged me to an Amberlynn show. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was blown away. They are a fantastic live band. They're a great band. They are a great band. So good live. We yeah. saw them on the Switchfoot show. Okay. Whenever we saw They're done now. Switchfoot aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Switchfoot unfortunately. They are, but Steven actually has a, uh, a solo project. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really good. Yeah, he should check it out. He's a good vocalist. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um,. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, like I said, that that band is not really able to be very active now. Um, but you know, it's always unless you it's practice, always there. Unless you, know. you practice yeah. in the food bus. Yeah, right. We could practice in the food bus. And so, yeah, in some ways, it's interesting. Like with the new music industry, like you can kind of sit in your bedroom and release music. You know, yeah, like yeah on but Spotify the, the, and stuff like the that. difficult part about that is everybody can do that. <laughs> sure. That is true. Everybody you know, can do that. Back in the day, I mean, it was you had to get out there and pound the pavement, and you yeah. don't really have to do that as much anymore. No. So, but we wanted to go traditional with the Young Fox stuff, so we actually, uh, Spartan Records out of Seattle, it was actually a couple of guys that used to work at Tooth & Nail, uh, okay. started their own label, and... Um, it was interesting because, you know, you would think that because I did it on there that it would be because of my, you know, because I'm in Zayo and because I have all this history with all these tooth and nail bands. Uh, but what happened was our drummer was in charge of our Instagram and he liked their record label on Instagram. And the owner of the label was like, well, who's this person that, that liked me? Who's this band that liked me and heard like a couple of our songs and loved it? And so I was very appreciative of that in that they signed us based on the music. It wasn't based on, well, he knows this person and he's done this many tours and he's like this guy and whatever. And he's in Zayo. It wasn't any of that. It was the guy genuinely liked the music. And that that meant a lot. It was like basically it was on merit. And that's how it should be. It is how it should be. If if you're going to have success with your art. It should be on the success of the art, not who you know and who you're friends with. And you know what I mean? That's, yeah. There's, there's too much of that out there. Yeah. So. Is that another thing of kind of like, I don't want to say, I don't want to say right place, right time, but I mean, they, they saw it. They like, like you never know you're putting, you're putting your art out there. You're putting your music out there and you never know who's going to click on it. Right. And that's yeah, that, that, that would honestly for anybody that's because you've been asking me this a few times, sure. and I, you know, I haven't really had any good advice. But my advice sure for my advice for anybody that's starting out in music is take several college courses on social media and learn absolutely everything that you can. 
know everything about that world because your success nowadays will be based on how good you are at working that stuff. Sure. It's and, just that simple. No, mm. not just that, but, you know, whoever, someone might click on it and they might be somebody with Spartan Records. Right, and absolutely, could- absolutely. Um, it is It is very important to ha- If you don't have that now, I mean, you're just... You're not going to go anywhere. You said before your, so. your you you said before on the other podcast your your breakthrough with Pensive was was at uh, the, the the Cornerstone Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, can you speak on just how you guys took? I mean, I mean, you you told the story on the other podcast, but just in terms of taking a chance. I mean, you, you took a chance. You went out there, mm-hmm. um, and you always felt that was your breakthrough. And and I guess I'm just kind of speaking to the people who are pounding the pavement they're going through they're they're learning from people um and here you were you know you went to cornerstone festival you ended up playing it um just the how you guys took a chance and how it paid off for you well what when you were just speaking there it actually just kind of brought this thought into my head um what it showed us uh, what we're speaking of is the the Cornerstone Festival, which uh, does unfortunately doesn't exist anymore. But it took place every year in Bushnell, Illinois, mm. and it was a uh, faith based Christian music festival, um, mainly for kind of the uh, the ed- oh, we'll call them edgy edgier bands. Um, you know, not necessarily like heavy bands, but like bands that bands that you wouldn't find at like a contemporary Christian music festival. It was kind of like the festival for everybody else. Right. Um, and so we felt that we were in that category. You know, we weren't going to be, you know, contemporary Christian. We were impensive then. Yeah. We were going to, we were going to try and try and be in this other festival. And, um, what it showed us when we showed up there, I mean, it was maybe like 30,000 people or so. Um, you know, at its at its height, okay. and what it showed us was that we weren't alone. Like it wasn't just this little like couple of bands that were doing this thing. You know, from the East Coast, it was it was an entire country full of people. And the interesting part was because it was in Illinois, it was right dead center in the That's middle true. of the country. Yeah. So it got people from everywhere. It got people from every every state, and um, it showed us that there were people all over the country and the world. They were exactly the same as us. Mm. And that's what I went back to with the team. You know, it made our team much bigger because there were journalists there. And there were, you know, you guys are doing a podcast, but back then it was zines, you know, people doing zines. So there were those people. And, you know, so they're putting us in their zines and they're interviewing and all this kind of stuff. And so when you get into that world like that, it just just spread out from there. And then not just that, but like... You know, right place, right time. Someone's playing a Zayo record, and then they get signed by sure, you know, right, I mean, right. Just and that and you know, the Cornerstone Festival was was a major place for bands to get signed because all the label people were there. You know, so you would be, you know, for instance, you you get your name pulled out of a hat. There's a chance that there's three or four label people standing there when you're playing. And, yeah. You know, the, the 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 three days before you were playing in your bedroom. You know, and and now there's actually label people watching you, and so it was it was a big deal. Um, but it was like I don't honestly know what that looks like now, sure. other than YouTube, other than like you and, know the 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 internet. And I think you're right in terms of it. It is a different world, and and that kind of stuff is very different because it was you know 20 or so years ago. But at the same time, I think um, just putting your stuff out there, yeah. whoever it is, I don't know, mm-hmm. is, is that is that a fair just to, to not yeah. be afraid to put there, whatever it is the out thing. there? There is yeah. 
<laughs> nothing bad can happen by putting yourself out there. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. That's good uh, to remember. Even even if every response that you get is negative, you had the guts to put yourself out there, and at the end of the day, people can live with that. You know, most people don't care and they forget about it anyway. So right, sure. right, right. But I mean, it's you know, um, putting yourself out there is. It's the name of the game, really. Sure. You know, um, I heard something very interesting, and I think it's important to keep this in mind as people that live in America. But I played a show in Oslo last November, so almost yeah, a year ago. That's right. And I had to think about that. Yeah. So I'm a part of, like, a mixing community online, like audio mm -hmm. mixing. Sure. And I reached out there on Facebook. This is the great thing about social media. Hey, is anybody in this group from Oslo, Norway? couple of people there yeah one of the guys wanted to meet up yeah i was like this is a, this is dope and he was making plans to come over to come to an audio convention and it was his only second time in the states and i just was curious and so because i'm an inquisitive person i was sure. asking him you know what do you think of like i was asking politically but we'll yeah, not yeah. get political on the show <laughs> but i was asking him sure. you know what do you think of america like as somebody from europe and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff and the thing that sticks with me that he says is that, you know, you, um, you Americans are like not afraid of putting yourself out there and like bragging about like what you're doing. And he's like, I wish that it was like that here, but I, I own a studio and I'm confident in what I do. But yeah. anytime I try to pr market myself, that's so looked down on as, as being arrogant. Oh, that like, yeah. Built into the culture. You're saying we have a problem with arrogance in this country? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll I'll take the bad with the good in yeah. that. Oh yeah. There is a problem. Oh, yeah. But along with that, like, if you look on Facebook, yeah, right. It's everybody posting the best parts of their lives, and look what I did. Sure, and sure. Sometimes, yeah, that can be annoying, but. In general, we accept that as a culture. Yeah. yeah, good for you. Go go do that. Yeah. And that's an amazing culture to be a part of. Yeah. And sure. it's nice to take a step back and realize that we live in a culture that's accepting to that. Right. Sure. Right. But, I, it's not like that everywhere. Yeah. I, I. It's just, it's funny. You said that, like, it totally brought a different memory for me. Zaya uh, <laughs> uh, uh. was playing in uh, Italy years ago. We had a, a gang of shows in Italy. And um, there was a kid that came up to me. And just started screaming at me in Italian. Like, he was what? in my face screaming at me in Italian. Sorry, like, I don't understand what you're saying. And I was yeah. just like, what? And, and one, of uh, his friends, one of his friends was close. And I said, what? You know, what? what? And yeah. he said, he doesn't like you because you're American. Oh. And it was straight. It was straight out of like the cantina scene. Like yeah. it was like you know Star Wars cantina scene. Like I, I was like, uh, he doesn't yeah. like. You. I don't like you either. Like that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, this is crazy. Like this guy wants to literally fight me. Yeah. Because I'm American. I was yeah, like, yeah. Uh, what? Is, what is that? And then yeah. I realized, like, oh yeah, you know, maybe there's something to that. Like we we don't exactly have the greatest reputation. Um, that, no, not everywhere. Sure. Thankfully, we were in Oslo, and I looked like most people over there, so they couldn't <laughs> yeah, tell right. me. Oh, you were good. Until yeah. I spoke. Totally right. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, he must be American. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. You yeah. you spoke of tour managing. Um, I guess mm -hmm. how for anyone who might 
want to get into that realm or did you did you first manage the Juliana theory you you got that out of college if I if I heard, remember that correctly well, right I, I yeah, guess what? I guess I'm trying to you know hey I'm listening to this podcast and, mm-hmm. and maybe I want I guess I'm trying to connect the dots for for people well Does that make sense um it, it's funny because there's there there is no school for that sure um, and <laughs> that is true. So, well, I'm sure there is now, but uh, there certainly <laughs> there wasn't there. Well, no, not that I knew of. Um, but anyway, throughout college, um, we right before I left for college was when we started really playing in other cities. Yeah, where we would go, we would play on the other side of Ohio. We would play Philadelphia we, with Pensive. I mean, we would like you know yeah, we, yeah. we started like playing around in other cities and started to get a vibe for what that was like. And we all really liked it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we knew that we wanted to do that. But then with me going to college, I was leaving Pensive. And sure. essentially, you know, Pensive was staying in Pittsburgh and I was going to Philadelphia to college. So it was it was not going to be an active thing. Yeah. Um, so as soon as I did that is when Zayo lost all its members yeah. except for one. And Brett from my band went and played in, in Zayo, Zayo then. Yeah. And the other guy that was left chad uh started the juliana theory with my nephew so all of that was happening at exactly the same time and so in greensburg in greensburg right and so the juliana theory started playing some shows and and you know playing around and some of them were, were with pensive early on um and so essentially i was working with them yeah. the whole time I was in college and then the, during the summers and stuff we'd do little tours and stuff and I would be the, the road manager sure sure mainly because you knew those guys I and... wasn't playing yeah but I was still going to be there and do things so sure. we, we figured out okay well what if I do this and I do this and I make sure the sound's good and this and this and, you know and like all the you know for a small band you just make sure everything works yeah yeah um so that's how that started. And then by the time I had graduated, they were ready to take the next step. Right. Um, they, and that was Emotion is Dead and, and that, those... Well, that was actually... Emotion is Dead was while I was in school. Okay. Um, when I graduated was before the Love album came out. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, they had signed to Epic Records, sure. you know, off of Tooth and Nail to Epic um, and it was really starting to pick up steam. And sure. that's when, you know, the 15-passenger van went away and the giant bus came into play and all that kind of stuff. And not more, the food bus. More people. Not the food bus. <laughs> not, to be, not to be confused with the food bus. That's right. Um, so, yeah, then when I graduated college, um, it was either you go can. and do that uh, <clears throat> or stay in Philly and keep playing with my college guys um, or start a teaching job somewhere. So then there you and are. So and so it was, let's go and be like the thing that's already, I, the way I saw it was they were already a hundred steps closer to being rock stars. Yeah. So sure. let's go with the sure thing. Sure. You know, and so that was the decision that, you know, you live and die by your decisions. That sure. was the decision that I made. Um, and, you know, in hindsight, I have no regrets about it. Yeah, right. Yeah. I would do the same. I would make the same decision again. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just funny. The, the band that I left behind, um, through a bunch of different circumstances, they're now me without you. Um, so I just saw them at Mr. Smalls the other night and still love those guys, you know, so, um, but yeah. Is it a sense, and and you throw some big names, you know, the, the singer for Amberlynn and, you know, Juliana Theory, Zayo, uh, the singer from Dashboard Confessional, is, is it a sense that 
you were just in the scene and you knew those guys. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not like well, it, it was it was a you know, sense where does that I make mean, sense? Yeah, For we kind of forever, we kind of discussed this off air sure, sure. Uh, last week, but like it's a it's a set of circumstances. And Ben, you can definitely elaborate on this in yourself, but it's a set of circumstances that could not possibly happen without like some kind of intervention and I don't sure. mean like divine intervention like you know God came down and put me <laughs> here at this time yeah. but like um, it it's just stuff that like can't like the, the odds of hitting the Powerball sure, sure. or the Mega right. Millions are far higher than the odds of some of the stuff that, that happens in that yeah. in that world yeah and um, it's not like I mean like but it, it's not like they were huge and I mean they, they might be in bigger mans now but I mean they, they were just your circle you know, right. we're just friends. I right. mean, it's not like, right. you know, I mean, I think But that's that- the thing. It's unfortunately like getting the unfortunate part is, you know, when I was a kid and watching Motley Crue videos, sure. there was a such thing as rock stars. Those guys were rock stars. Yeah, yeah. And saying girls, girls, girls. What I, yeah, yeah, what I have right. learned over the years is that there's no such thing. You know, everybody mm-hmm. came from somewhere. Um, you know, what watching poison videos. Sure. You know, two of those guys are from Mechanicsburg. Which is even dumber than Greensburg. <laughs> um, so it's, you know, everybody came from somewhere. Right. Yeah. So and yeah. it's a sense that, like, yeah, these guys might be quote unquote huge now, but they were just friends. They're, yeah. oh, okay, right. they were in this band and we played this show together and, right. oh, this just this guy. Yeah. You know, like, it's second nature. It's not like, oh, man, that guy's enormous. Yeah. It's just like, oh, it's him. Right. Whoever and it is. Most people, when they have success in art of some kind, most people remember where they came from. That's and I shirt. have yeah. I have a much higher respect and love for those folks than the few that get to that stage and forget where they came from. Right. That's probably my biggest pet peeve in the world is somebody that started with sure. nothing, got to somewhere, and then forgot that they came from nothing. That drives yeah. me crazy. Yeah. What's it like so. for you? And, and I know I've said the, sa- the same thing just in terms of like um, – you know, in terms of speaking, you know, to different classes and things of that nature. I mean, you come from Greensburg, Adamsburg, mm-hmm. you know, no stoplights, one stop sign. Um, to come from Adamsburg, I guess, what does that say to you to come from Adamsburg, to come from Greensburg, to come from the area, and to be able to do it and play all over the, ro- the world? I know that I, like, I've told people, like, I, I go to my alma mater. I say, I sat in your seats before. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing. Like, I come from yeah. a street with six, t- you know, a, a place with six roads. Like, there's nothing right. that says, I mean, you know, you came from a place with one stop sign and, yep. you, and you're and you touring the globe. You know, you toured the globe, I, I, you know. But that's that pleads right into what you, what this podcast is about. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, if a kid from a one stop sign town, I mean, I think the last census that they took, I think there's 125 people. Wow. In the whole town, yeah, that's insane. Um, if if somebody from there can go out and play with all these bands and do all this, you know, I mean, it. it the funny thing is, it doesn't mean nearly as much to me now as it did when sure. I was in it. You yeah. know, when all those things were happening and those crazy tours and all this nutso stuff, like it, it's kind of like lost its luster. Yeah, not, yeah. not completely. I, I'm very sure. appreciative of it. Definitely. It just doesn't. It just doesn't consume me it's second like nature. it did at one time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for somebody from a town that size to do that kind of stuff, and, and you know, each of those guys can say the same thing. Totally. And, you know, yourself with the Steelers, and, you know, being all, like, it's, you don't have to be from anywhere. Sure. And you don't have to know anybody. Um, totally. And, but that's not 
what you'll hear, you know, right. what you'll hear is it's it's who you know, and and but it, it's really not, you know. Yeah, I I think maybe in closing, uh, which might be a long close, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Let's dive into more of the, like the faith-based thing because you said sure. one thing in Billy Powers' podcast, Urban Achiever. Shout mm-hmm. out to you guys there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was great. Both of those were Billy Powers and uh, and as the story grows yeah. too, they were both awesome. Great podcast. Well Go check them out. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, listening to the voice of God, mm-hmm. and that really resonated to me because. I think growing up, I had the wrong impression of what that meant. Mm-hmm. I, I think what I thought that meant was audibly hearing a voice and knowing a hundred percent this is what I need to do. Hearing and, the big booming voice and yeah, yeah, yeah right. And, I always pictured it as being like the voice like that they do in Monty Python, like <laughs> when Graham Chapman would be like God yeah. in the clouds. Yeah, like, right. yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. You just see the big robe and you can't see the face. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know about. You guys, but for me personally, there's only been, I have more fingers on one hand than I could count the <laughs> amount of times where I felt that certain about any decision in my life sure. to do anything. And that, that's the, just the reality of what being a person of faith and listening to the voice of God is. So mm-hmm. could you talk about that a little bit and what that means sure. for you? And Sure, I can. I guess even in terms of making your decision to go to, well, hearing the voice of God in general, but I mean, your decision to go to college too, because that was a pretty... Yeah, is, I that, see, is, that, is that where you were going with I that? Can't, yeah, it was. I just want to. Yeah. I just want to hear what yeah, the sure. So when somebody who is of faith says, "I heard the voice of God," and that mm-hmm. said, and and that told me I need to go there. Like, what did that actually feel like? Sure. To you? Well, yeah. the thing is, like, I. It's funny because uh, you know, I am. I I was not raised in the Pentecostal church. Yeah. Hmm. I was raised in the United Church of Christ, and it was the ninety-year-old lady <laughs> playing organ. You know, that was that. You know, like yeah. pews with no seat covers yeah, that right. were like real hardwood, and like that. That was like that was what like I you grew were doing, up in. You're doing penance while you were sitting exactly, in church. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it was like, oh God, get me out of here. Um, so she's doing the organ solo. I, yeah. My first time in a Pentecostal church, I was nineteen years old. Um, and so that was the, you know, get saved, sure, you know, sure. yeah. ma- magical, like I'm now a Pentecostal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as far as hearing the voice of God, like I had no idea, like I, that was a foreign did a concept. For, did you have a grid for it at the time? Like, okay. a, like, a, did you have a, a grid for that at the time? Did you kind of have like a, what that meant? Yeah. Sorry. Oh no, not at all. Yeah. yeah. Not even a little bit. Right. Right. And so. I think it was during, it was a weeknight that I had, uh, you know, done an altar call and that kind of thing. And so okay. the following Sunday I showed up at this church and sitting there and, you know, obviously the music is contemporary music. There's sure. like, you know, all the instruments and stuff. And like the drummer that was up there ended up being the drummer in pensive. So I'm like watching him for the first time play drums. And, um, all of a sudden like the worship's done and this guy just stands up. Like everybody else is sitting down, guy stands up and starts prophesizing. Oh. Which was nothing that I had ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. dude stands up in the middle of church, everybody's sitting down and goes, I am the Lord your God, and just starts going into oh, sure, whatever sure. he had oh, gone. Oh, yeah, if I never would have experienced that, I'd be like, You're God? <laughs> having never having never experienced before that. And literally it it took what? me back to the point where that I was, was like, Do I really want to be involved with these crazy people? Like yeah, that yeah. is that is nutso stuff. Yeah. 
and then once I learned like what that was all about and what part of the service that was, you know, once I was able to understand and once I was there for a while, it, you know, it, it makes sense. you thankful for growth track now, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, right. Um, this is what we believe so, and why. So that, but that was, but that was my opinion of what that was. Was like it was just You're something, a little taken something crazy like that. Yeah. 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 And then my own personal experience. I, I actually, I think I said this in depth on on uh, one of those podcasts. But um, we did a uh, a thing for youth group called Friday Night Live, and it was like yeah. a. Um, youth group kids that that wanted to get a little bit deeper sure. in their faith and I you know I was so new at it that like I was like yeah I want everything I can get like I'll sure, you right. know and um so during this thing like all the lights are off and stuff and I I actually like got this thought in my head that was not of my own and that was to go to Bible college and I know that it wasn't my thought because I didn't know there was such a thing like I had literally never heard of a Bible college before. And you're like pretty, really, I've never deep, heard that ever wow. in my life. You're pretty deep in the band at this point too, right? Yeah, when we, you, I mean, we, yeah, we had thought, the band yeah. going, we had Pensive going for a little bit. Um, and um, so, you know, the, the hearing from God for me, it was not Graham Chapman in the clouds, sure. Monty Python. It was, it was a thought that was put into my head that I knew came from somewhere else because I knew it wasn't my own. Yeah. And that kind of freaked me out, but at the same time, it was, I was so sure of it that, and, and what it was, it was just listening. It was just plain and simple. And that sounds so easy. Yeah. It's the hardest thing in the world with the amount of distractions, like prayer for me is ridiculously hard. Yeah. It shouldn't be, but it's ridiculously hard because of the sheer amount of distractions. Hmm. And it's the same basic idea with hearing from God. You know, prayer, you are you are giving up your words and your thoughts yeah. to God, whereas listening to God, you're actually, shut up, no noise, you want to hear, and that is so hard to do. It is But in that do. particular setting, the conditions were just right. To where I was listening, genuinely. Yeah. And that thought was there, and it wasn't there before. Can you explain what happened after? You touched on it in the podcast. I thought it was really important. Can you explain what happened afterwards? Whenever um, they pulled out, he he pulled out a um, a, a uh, an application. What was he pulled out? Oh, an application? okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give I the, just thought that was I'll, really I'll cool. I'll give the refresh because for the for those that didn't. Get I the I other. just thought it was because you heard from it. It sure. wasn't your thought, but then it was confirmed. Sure. So like the, I, I just yeah. saw the yeah. Um, the the thought basically what happened was that that thought came into my head, and all the lights were off in this room, um, and there were just people all over the floor, like each you know each doing sure. the same thing, like you know listening and and praying. And um, I found my good friend Brett, um, who some of your listeners would know. He was uh, a guitar player in Zayo uh, for an album, and was the lead singer of the Juliana Theory. So I found him and I said, Hey man, you know, I got this weird message, you know, I, I'm supposed to go to Bible college. And his response was just to bust out crying. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I did the same because I think he understood what that meant way before I did. Yeah. Uh, it meant that, you know, our band that we had, you know, worked at and got up that, you know, it wasn't really going to be feasible to keep it going full time because I was going to be on the other side of this, you know, I was going to be away somewhere. And, um, so 
that's all done. The service ended, and they turned the lights back on, and I was following my youth pastor back to his office. And when he got to his office, he had a doctor's pocket outside with a, an envelope in it, and he pulled it out, and it was for a girl in our youth group that had checked out this college called Valley Forge Christian College. And he looked at the envelope and said, oh, Valley Forge Christian College, if you were ever thinking about going to the Bible college, you should go there. <laughs> if you ever happen to be yeah. thinking about it. And, you know, and, and he didn't know anything about what had happened or, you know, what I had heard or what, you know, what Brett and I were experiencing. Like, uh, he didn't know any of that. Yeah. And so it was one of those things where, like, you know, 99% of the time, God works in mysterious ways, you know, which holds true. Yeah. Um, but every once in a while, like, he does things like hit us in the head with a hammer that's just <laughs> like, no, this is this is exactly what you're supposed to do, and yeah. here's specifically how you're supposed to do it, and here's specifically when you're supposed to do it, and you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. just some times where it's just like, boom, it, boom, boom, And boom, you know boom. what I found, too, um, is that those, uh, like... Hit, hit you in the side of the head with a hammer moments are normally at the <laughs> mm-hmm. beginning of a journey. Yes. Like to get you like on the right track. Right. And then after that, it's, it gets a little trickier. Sure. Yep. It, and, how and that's, and that's kind of what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, the interesting part was it's, you know, it's kind of, we were talking about this the other night at, uh, at worship practice. Yeah. And when it comes to musical stuff, God gave me a lot of, abilities in certain areas and then in other areas he gave me nothing so but it's like funny whenever you put them side by side because it's like i can write vocal parts until the cows come home yeah but i can't actually sing any of them that's that's hilarious and and i can yeah and i can hear a song on the radio and i can play it before it's over but i can't tell you what it is i can't Hmm. tell you this is a D, G, this is this, this is this, because I don't know any of those chords. What that means. Yeah. 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 And so it's like, it's just funny thing. It's like, it, it's just ridiculous, like, that there's these bits and pieces. Yeah. But it's like with the, the school thing, you know, he let me know exactly where I was supposed to go and when I was supposed to go and all yeah. this stuff. But what I never got, and I haven't even got this answer to this day, is the why. Yeah. <laughs> really? You know? Because I graduated with a degree in Christian education, and the opportunity has never arisen in my life, other than to say that I have the degree, um, to actually do anything with the degree. Now, obviously, while I was there, the friendships that I made and the, you know, the influences that I got and gave, um, it all meant something. Right. It definitely meant something. There's no questions asked. But the actual purpose of what I got when I was there has yet to be revealed to me. And that was huh. 17 years ago. <laughs> when, so it's, you know, it, it's, so I think about things like, like, um, you know, Abraham and Sarah, you know, waiting yeah. for how many years for a child, like, you sure. know, and it's like, you know, at some point in that journey, they're just like, what, what, like, yeah, yeah, when? Yeah. you know, yeah. and that happens for all of us. Um, but it's, just, it's funny when I think of school, it's like, there were so many pieces that lined up and then yeah. like one big one that was just like <laughs> well you, there. you know i want to go back to the very beginning of the podcast and you talked about something as far as like being being flexible to let your dreams change mm-hmm. i can imagine you <clears throat> as being 19 however you were whenever that happened to you in youth group mm-hmm. i'm going to bible school like i'm going to be a pastor or whatever this whatever this means yeah god has this set up for mm-hmm. me 
look at I mean look at what has happened. Yeah. It's completely different from right. that, but totally. but still good. Yep. And so there there's a huge thing to be said for just being flexible mm-hmm. and seeing sure. what's presented in front of you and 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 like knowing the things you want to do but kind of matching that up with like the opportunities that are presenting themselves. Sure. But it's I mean it's like what we talked about before with um with the influences not necessarily even being your own. Sure. Yeah. But it's something that maybe people that you were with at a certain time where you were heavily influencing each other and you were this yeah. huge part of each other's lives and it was this, you know, melding of the minds and all this kind of stuff. And then you go your separate ways. Well, all the people that were influenced by those people, yeah. you had a, a small part in that. Yeah. Because you were an important part of those people's lives at some small point, however brief. Yeah. Um, you know, I like, I, it's funny because I was actually just thinking about this the other night and was talking to the me without you guys. Um, you know, we were only together for four years. Yeah. You know, the, the, the length of school. Um, but the amount of influence that they have had since that time, I mean... There are people out there that like their their lives have been completely changed and blessed yeah. by that band. Yeah. Um, and it's you know I don't have a part in it, but I feel like there's a small part of me in there. Sure. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that influence. You know, no matter what band it is or who it is, like you know, you may only be with somebody for a minute. Thank you. But something no. you say to them, you know, means something. 15 years down the road to somebody that changes their life. That's, that's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess whenever, and, and just to kind of go back a little bit, like whenever you are hearing, you're listening, you're earnestly listening, you had a sledgehammer over the head moment. Um, and, and you got that confirmation whenever you got that manila envelope Mm -hmm. and Hey, um, what happens if you get that moment, you have that moment, you, you hug your friend, all that, like, I guess trying to discern um, the discernment of, okay, I heard this and, and trying to figure out, you know, like what to go with, what not to go with. You know what I'm saying? Okay, like when it, you're listening for the voice of God. What you're saying is yeah. for, the, for the ones that aren't sledgehammer moments. Sure. You know, when um, you're like... Which there's a lot more of those than there right. are sledgehammer moments. Sure. Um, and... I guess advice for the, anyone the, who... The real, the real answer to that is there, there is no answer yeah. that I can give because it's completely different for every person in every situation. Sure. Um, you know, and are there decisions that I've made that I regret? Absolutely. Sure. Are there decisions that I've made that I would make again a thousand times over? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it's like those, uh, you guys are a little bit younger, but do you remember the, uh, uh, build your own story books? Oh Yeah. Where you would start reading oh, and it would say, you if you make pages. this decision, turn to page 30. Sure. And if I you make this. this decision, turn to page 80. Absolutely. Um, Those are great. You get like different endings. It's the, the, the dream part for me is a lot like that. Yeah. Um, you know, where I look back on it. It's fun to look back. You know, I keep threatening that I'm going to write a book about all this stuff someday that maybe nobody will read, but it'll just be a way to remember. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I look at some of those decisions, just, just me, you know, yeah. I'm nobody like just little decisions that I have made that have had ripple effects that are just blow my mind. Yeah. And it's the case for everybody. And if you take every person that's listening to this podcast and add all those little ripple effects up, all of ours, it gets to be nuts. It yeah. gets to be, you know, like an ocean. Sure. Yeah. Um, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. We're all, man. 
We're all drops. <laughs> I like yeah, it. Yeah, just influencing others. Yeah. Man, I think we've exhausted everything wow. that we could talk about in these. Well, actually, I have one no. hours. <laughs> <laughs> and well, what? I mean, obviously, we could go on farther, but yeah, I feel sure. like this is a good spot. He to, said he wanted to go five hours. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what we'll do. We'll, we'll do it again sometime in the future. Sure. I love it. We'll come up with new stuff. Absolutely. And Absolutely. we'll do a new one. You know what? I'd love to have you back for a fun one, too. Yeah. I'm, I'm up for fun. I might be, I might be, I might be an old guy, guy, but I still have fun. You He's know? a fun guy. Yeah, you do, man. Well, it's been a pleasure, Marty yeah, Lund, you. having you on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Twice. And yeah. And twice. twice over. It's a two-parter. Yeah. Heck yeah. And listeners, I hope that we've encouraged you to dream loud. So yeah. have a good one out there. We'll catch yes. you next week. Take care.